You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. I am so happy this worked out. I am with my friend Sarah, and we have not talked for a while. So, hi, Sarah. Hi! I'm so excited to hear your voice. It just, like, made my day. (laughs) This is definitely making my day. And when I asked you what you wanted to do a podcast about, you said the creative process. So, can you tell me a little bit about, well, I know you a little, but... um, (laughs) Can you tell our audience a little about you and why you chose this? Because I know you're a very creative person, but maybe say it for everyone else. (laughs) Because creativity is life. I know there are science-inclined people, but I am not that. I mean, I like science, but I like to go on to the opposite side, the creative side and the arts. And I feel like they're important to culture and lives. And we can see about where we've come as a society and all the societies through the world through art. So I feel like it's very important. And yeah, that's why I did it. Um, I'm from Texas and then graduated college the first time, moved to Colorado, and now I'm in California. So yes, there's a whole story there. (laughs) And you have creative hobbies, like you do photography, And you have done writing in the past, but you're kind of transitioning into creativity as a career. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I, yeah, I started writing. I still write, but it's not like I want a career out of it, you know? So I like will write little things at a company, photographs and things like that. Um, So photography and visual arts is basically what I've made my career out of. Some people have joked and said I'm the pop culture anthropologist because <laughs> I really focus <laughs> on um, cosplay and pop culture, specifically in America. Um, but I also like to study Japanese art and things like that and go back into anime and the history of that. And Yeah, so right now it's visual arts. I do photography, graphic design, writing, um, painting. I don't do painting as much right now, but that's something once the pandemic and I go out again, I want to do that more. But yeah, so I'd like to combine and intermix mediums basically to tell stories because I feel like stories are important to the core of our being. So what does being creative mean to you? Being creative, for me, creative is literally like breathing. Like I need it to survive. Like I can't not create. So whether that's just taking a picture on my phone, painting, drawing, whatever, like I have to be creative. It's just an essential part of who I am. And I can tell like when that's affected or I feel disconnected from that. It's kind of like, Like, visually, to me, it's like having different strings connected to your heart and then having them snap and having to repair them. Like, I know when the pandemic first hit, like, I just felt like all of the creativeness, like, I felt like a void, basically. It just all, like, leaked out of me. (laughs) And I was, like, grasping. I was like, where where is it all gone? Because I'm not used to that. And then I realized that was also tied into me being depressed because I'm a very um, bubbly extrovert. And basically, my life slammed to a stop when the pandemic started. So it was just kind of like having to reevaluate and relearn myself a little bit and grow in that way. So that's been the past two years. That's a lot. How did you find your own style of creative expression? Or do you feel like it's still evolving? I feel like 
any creative expression is always evolving. It's definitely like there's a steadfast part of it that's been the same for like the past 10 years because I just turned 30 and just like facing myself with the thoughts of like I've been an adult for a, a decade, honestly. Well, 12 years at this point, but like for a proper adult for like a decade. And then like seeing how my process has changed through that. And the thing of like, oh, wait, I'm not like a little kid anymore. Like it's just this weird, <laughs> not disconnect, but switch through. And so for me, like it's grown richer in a sense that I understand myself better, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Maybe other people can't see it, but do you see that in your art these days? Yes, I do. I have like a full identity and I know who I am. And I feel like it comes out stronger. So it's like some of my earlier art, you can tell I was searching mm. for what I want my story to be. And now that I have the story, I feel like it's coming out strong. That's a really cool way to put it. I feel like that too. Like early 20s is discovering who you are. And once you hit 30, you're like, oh, I think I might know. Now I can just do what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't have to prove anything. I know what I want. I know who I am. Like, I mean, I never was someone where I felt like I needed necessarily someone's approval, but like, I don't need to prove anything to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And how did you fall into, you say you're the pop culture anthropologist of <laughs> all the different kinds of art expression. How does that uh, strengthen your heartstrings? Well, for me, like, I've always been a part of like anime and cosplay and stuff and people my experience and my storytelling through that is that people just kind of it used to I mean now it's becoming you can see more mainstream culture but like it used to be where people are like oh the nerds oh that and they just like pass it as like a hobby but it's interesting seeing like the amount of identity that people that they put on costumes to like not necessarily escape but to empower themselves and I think that's very strong and to see like how much pop culture like especially like in America like Marvel and things have affected us so strongly and how we need that hope and how people really enjoy seeing it like passing on to the next generation and seeing how people like kids react to you in cosplay and stuff like that and how I feel like it's very important to me and to society nerds are important <laughs> now I've seen some of the pictures you have taken of various cosplays and it's you run in some circles that have a lot of talent but because you are the photographer I do you have any cosplay costumes that you've made what are they what do those look like I want to know <laughs> so I do and I do cosplay sometimes but like most of the time it's <laughs> it's just so hard for me because I'm like I can't do both really because it's not realistic when you're carrying a bunch of gear but um, no it's <laughs> hard <laughs> So the next Comic-Con, when we get to go again, I want to build Eternal Sailor Moon and do fiber optic wings. Um, I like the idea of incorporating like light into costumes, and that's what I want to do going forward when I make cosplays again. Uh, but I've made like Regina from Once Upon a Time in the past, some Sailor Moon characters, just basically that. Those are the few things because I did it and then switched to photography because I had some bad experiences with cosplay with a photographer. And I realized that there needed to be more female photographers that people felt safe with. So that's why I mostly poured my heart into cosplay photography. Wow. So you took some negative experience that you had and you turned it into a service to help others. Because like a lot of stuff in my life and stuff, I have felt 
not necessarily a pressure into being a woman, but I have had my struggles with people in circles not taking me seriously. And then when I literally got belittled as a cosplayer by a male photographer, I was like, okay. And I literally, because I'd already done photography before that, but that's what really switched my focus into being like, hey, like this is important and I see a need here. And that's why I switched to cosplay photography. And that was another way to like, that's the main thing where I switched from writing into photography because I felt like it just clicked where I felt like that was my medium, you know? Well, and obviously there's a big need. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So mm -hmm. when you make a cosplay, how do you start? Do you start from scratch? Do you start from uh, some pre-made stuff? What do you do? Um. So historically, like I would find pieces at thrift stores and then repurpose them because I feel like that's more fun it's like an adventure I love thrift store shopping because I feel like you're like Indiana Jones and you're gonna find all sorts of cool crap so yeah <laughs> like take it home redo it so that's how I started to do it but like going forward I'd like to actually like sit with my sewing machine and like actually make things too and still do some thrift store shopping but I want to try for myself to actually make something completely from scratch. I think there's value in both of those skills. Oh, yeah. As it, it really depends on the look you're going for. And you said you wanted to incorporate light into more. Is that is that a new thing or have you done that in the past? I have not done that in the past, but I really want to. And I want to also make a bejeweled Batman. <laughs> oh, it's please. all like completely crystal. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> right? I'm like, once cons come back, I'm actually going to do that. So you spent a lot of time around cons. Oh, yeah. And you even have a podcast of your own about yes. cons. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So the podcast I have is called Con Moms. It's me and my one of my good friends, Stephanie. She is a cosplayer who I met by photographing her and we just like clicked. So if you aren't familiar with the term con moms, we're like the mom friends that will like make sure everybody has snacks and stuff like that and check up on them and just be like, are you okay? And be the person that's like the sober driver home, basically. <laughs> so we basically talk about like going to your first con, things that you should expect, things that um, safety tips, stuff like that. Um, and we address anywhere the age groups. I'm like, if you're like a teen going with like a group of friends or if you're an adult and stuff. Um, and also like seasoned con goers. So we just talk about all that good stuff and our experiences and things we think are important at cons that you shouldn't want to miss and things like that. Oh, that's great. Can you give me just an example of like one of the best cons you went to? Some really great experience. Okay, so like the best big con that I've gone to, because I really like the experience there, is I like San Diego Comic-Con. Because literally the whole city turns into a giant Comic-Con. So like all of the bars, um, restaurants, like I'm not a big drinker at all. I don't drink, but they have like good food there as well. But like everything turns into giant like comic-con party <laughs> and they even have family-oriented stuff like the buses and everything is all like turns into comic-con and i love that and i love just like walking around like being surrounded by people and you can just feel this like excitement energy where every anything and everything is possible like my first con i went to was in 2010 i believe yeah i went to acon in dallas texas and it was that's strictly anime and i went there and was like oh my gosh i am hooked this is my new drug <laughs> um 
And so like ever since then, like I got so excited. I don't rec- don't do this, you guys, but like I got so excited that I did not eat all day and then realized like at eight o'clock at night, I was like, oh my gosh, I am starving. I was so into everything. And so we like ordered Domino's pizzas and like I literally ate a whole pizza. Just don't do that. <laughs> um, it's fun. I think it's magical. And people like love stories and movies and TV. And I think it's great that people just fully immerse themselves in different worlds. So when you're at a con, I know there's lots of different things to do. What are your priorities? Because they there's like panels of people to listen to and stuff to buy and pictures to take. And what what are like your top three things that you must do? Okay, so for me, I love going to I bring like literally an extra suitcase. I love going to all the book panels um, with all the publishing houses (laughs) And then, like, author panels, because you get to, like, hear a bunch of fun stuff from authors. And then they literally give out so many free books at those Comic-Cons. You have to watch their Twitters and, like, we're going to do a giveaway. And you literally just go to the booth, and they give you books. And then after the panels, they give you free books. And so, like, I come home with, like, reading for the next six months, and it's great. <laughs> That's um, great. <laughs> yeah, so, because you're basically, like, in essence, they want you to be their street team. So, like, oh, yes, these people like what we have. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> You know, they just want to give us our drugs. Um, so I really like that. And then I really, really love to collect vintage merch. I don't really like a lot of, like, new merch. So I specifically look for, like, vintage, like, Sailor Moon or Lord of the Rings. I know Lord of the Rings vintage is, like, a sentence. But, like, you know, the stuff from when I was, like, a, like 10, 20 years ago, the stuff that merch came out and the dolls and things. So I go to, like, I love the booths that are all, like old merch that they just re- that they sell. So it's kind of like thrift storing at cons, basically. <laughs> you don't pay <laughs> thrift store prices, but you find what you're looking for that some of the stuff from Japan I can't get that they released in the 90s. And then I really, really like art boosts. I have so much art. Like, it's a sickness. I mean, it's a good sickness because I'm supporting people. But, like, I literally bring in my suitcase a clear square thing that's reinforced so it keeps my posters, like, preserved coming home. <laughs> Yes, those are my three must-haves. What is, like, an art piece that you really, really love? You said you have a lot, but can you can you describe one that you found? Um, one that I found, so Yume, she is an artist who does, like, a lot of environmental art. She has two huskies. Her stuff's adorable. Anyways, I found her booth and was so obsessed. Literally anything of hers I brought home, and I have several of her pieces um, but I will search and see if she's there and go see her and grab stuff. And I love, like, the metallic art prints. Where they have, like, literally a holographic shine to them when they print them. And I'm like, yes. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, like, the last few years, they've done, like, gold foil prints, hollow prints, like, and then they have, like, prism prints that are, like, super, like, metallic-y. And, yeah, I am obsessed with anything shiny. I'm, like, a little dragon. I'm, like, give me all the shinies. So... <laughs> Moving a little bit in a different direction now, how would you encourage someone else to be creative? Because that that is also one of your jobs, isn't it? To kind of be a creative coach in a way? Yes. I don't like, like, not you. I just don't like the term coach necessarily because I feel like it feels kind of clinical. But I like to be, like, this encourager. So I think, like, the most important thing to do is just not overthink it. I like to tell people, like, just don't, when we're talking about creative stuff, just don't overthink it. Because some people think, oh, I have to go with this and be, like, the next Michelangelo. 
like blah 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 how do I even start and I'm like no 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 like being creative is just literally going outside standing listening to everything around you and just taking out and breathing and then start small like if you just want to scribble on a receipt or if you want to just take a picture on your phone like being creative doesn't have to be overthought it doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing where I have to sit and be like I am being creative today you know what I mean Mm-hmm. it's just small things and then you can build them up from there oh I think that's so important for people to hear as an encourager how do you cultivate that in yourself <laughs> telling myself it's okay to not have to stare at my computer screen all the time and actually giving myself time like I'm not like the last year I've been pretty bad about this and having to like reteach myself but like especially since I'm not I'm home all the time it's not like I can like physically distance myself from like just wanting to work all the time yeah so it's hard when you're just like home and you're on a computer and you work remotely and then you're just like oh it's like midnight I should stop like (laughs) so it's like giving yourself like actual structure to an extent like I'm not a very structured person but like making sure you set time aside to actually sit and do things that are not work related like balance work-life balance. I know that said a lot, but it's true. I think it's especially harder right now because so many people are working at home. Mm-hmm. And th- it really is hard when home and work don't have any separation. Yeah, I agree. It's just like, because um, it's the thing, like you're, you norm- you're used to going traditionally like into a building or wherever separate. You could even go to like coffee shops if you worked remotely before. And now it's like this thing of like, if you're home 24-7, then it's like, I don't give myself boundaries because no one else is going to tell me no. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, having to be your own mother and be like, stop it. <laughs> and I'm so guilty of not telling myself no as much as I should. So, And now it's time for random recommendations. Yes, y'all. If y'all like poetry, it's my text is coming out. Um, one of the best poets that I think of our time, it's a little dramatic, but whatever. Um, Nikita Gill, any of um, Nikita Gill's work, I really like her Fierce Fairy Tales book um, and her Wild Embers book. So basically she writes about women and they feel very like folklore or old lore, but in powerful situations and taking your power back. And her poems are very beautiful. So yeah, Fierce Fairy Tales book by Nikita Gill um, of her poems. And then also The Wild Embers are my favorite, but any of her books are really good. Have you ever had writer's block or the equivalent of writer's block for your art? (laughs) Yup. Yup. That was like me the last six months. I was like, I should create new work. And then you just start trying to work and you're like, oh no, I feel nothing. This is great. And I think part of that too is also could be called burnout because you know I didn't tell myself no like a responsible mother so (laughs) especially like me when your business is being creative and you're creating content for people when you try to make stuff for yourself it's kind of like not so it feels like a chore but you feel like you have nothing left to give if that makes sense Uh and so yeah I would call it creative burnout and it's my own doing and So part of the reason I've been trying to combat that is um, trying to read more and do things that 
aren't constantly or gaming is another thing I've been doing is giving myself like a break by I'm like put your computer down go play video games because I really like open world video games where you can make your own stories so I really I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now it's dangerous I love it but um, so that's how I kind of do it is just like making myself I got a cute Sailor Moon journal I'm gonna just try to start journaling again and yeah reading and just telling myself no it all comes back to telling yourself no and giving yourself boundaries so that is so interesting I was just talking to a friend the other day about writer's block and she also mentioned that it's not so much block as it is burnout Mm. and I I feel like there's a lot of conversation around writer's block but not so much around burnout and I think perhaps many of us are getting the two confused And I think people in general think that to overcome writer's block, you have to do more. But what I'm hearing from you is if it's burnout, it should be dealt with differently. Well, yeah, I think any sort of like creative block, it's not we we can get to the end of like we're basically like a bridge. Like say it's a bridge and the bridge is writing. It's the bridge is whatever medium it is. But like if you get to the thing and you're like, oh, crap, it's it's blocked because, you know, the bridge is broken. Like... We could sit there and yell about the bridge being broken and complain to ourselves about how we can't get across or build anything back. But the thing is, you have to address why it broke in the first place. Mm. And unless you, like, figure out, oh, why did I do this? You can't actually figure out how to go forward and rebuild it again. So, like, it's kind of the thing of you have to look at the foundations before you build the structure. So, yeah, it's burnout. It all leads back to burnout. So you have to basically find, I don't want to use fire in the terms of a bridge because that sounds counterproductive, but like you have to find, <laughs> burn the bridge back down again. Um, You have to find something that like feeds back into that. You have to find the materials and the resources to build your stuff again because you don't have anything. You've depleted your resources. You have to refill that. I think that's where it comes back to. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I also feel like, tell me if this sounds correct or not many of us feel like stopping our work to play a video game or to read a book is lazy or frivolous and I should be working yeah that's that's how I've felt that's like my inner war as like any creative person or like any person in any field honestly like and I think American culture is what pushes this because other cultures don't experience this as much but like it's our society's like constant thing. We have to constantly be busy um, that we are losing the love for our hobby. Our hobbies are basically becoming a chore and that's not okay because we need to actually take time and fight for our hobbies and fight for our downtime and realize that that's important and we should not feel guilty about it and basically like be kind to ourselves. So where are you now in that process? Because it, it sounds like it can be kind of slow and irritatingly so <laughs> of, of like you may not get better at the pace you want to get better. Where where are you in the creative recovery journey? A lot better than I was six months ago. <laughs> and I think it's a thing of like you have to look at it. I know it sounds cliche, but literally the day that you're doing it, like you have to Playing ahead is good and important, but, like, also forgiving yourself each day a little bit and allowing yourself reasonable goals. And it's helped a lot, too, that I have such a supportive, um, two supportive best friends slash roommates that are, like, on my side and on my team. And they're literally, they've helped me, like, realize that as well, is that 
you have to set reasonable goals in order to achieve something bigger. Even if you write a to-do list every day, like you make it small things that you know you're actually going to achieve and that helps motivate you forward. Because if you just write constantly long lists and you're not achieving them, you don't feel fulfilled and you won't have the motivation to go forward. That's my TED talk for the day. No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have gained a lot of knowledge through some really hard times or not knowledge, like insight. You've gained a lot of insight through some very difficult times. Yeah, I have. And I'm like glad for that on one hand, but I also like also kind of, you know, like you have days, like it's days where you're just like, oh, I'm sad that things aren't like how they normally were were and whatnot. But then you're also like, I am glad that I've gone through this experience because I feel like it's made me better in a lot of ways. That's an interesting place to be. Not necessarily thankful for the thing, the bad things that happened, but thankful for the insight. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take um, burnout out of the equation for a moment. What is the most difficult part of the creative process? Do you think? For me, I think it's overthinking it, not doing it. Like the thing, like you have it planned out, you have it written out, but it's the actual application because I feel like. We all have this self-doubt in our mind of ourselves. It's like inner voice. It's like, oh, no. Like you want the best. And you know, like overall, you're like, yes, I can do things. Blah, blah, blah. Like I believe in myself. But you always have that little voice. It's like, well, what if it sucks, though? And then you're like, well, and then I have to stop to myself, just make something that sucks. Just do it. Because mm. art is subjective. Creativity is subjective. Like the whole point is that it is subjective. So therefore... Is there really bad art? Is there really bad things you can make? If you make something that's inherently bad, then so what? You made it. You learn from it. You move on. Like, I think it's important that we are okay with making bad things in order to make good things and to appreciate them. Because if we stand there always saying, oh, I should, but you don't, you're not going to get anywhere. So I think having to be okay with the fact that you're allowed to make bad things like bad art and be okay with that. To me, even if it's bad necessarily, it's still good because I learned from it and I know how to fully create what I want the next time. So it's like not undervaluing your subpar arts. Yeah. That's that's deep. And again, I, I agree with you that I don't know if it's necessarily American culture or, or maybe even like what I see in the movies of, I feel like the artists I see in the movies have influenced how I think about artists. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of those stereotypes are untrue, especially about like, like what you said of, because it's a movie, they do something really big and it's really amazing. And everyone else sees that it's amazing. And what I'm hearing from you is we need to value the small projects and the projects that, other people might not appreciate, but you learned something as an artist while doing it. Exactly. You have to learn about yourself in order to create good art. I think too, like if we think about like the greats, especially like the Renaissance greats and things like Michelangelo and stuff like that, like think about people like, I want to create great works of art or I want to create masterpieces and like think about all the sketches, all the research, all the sitting in places that they did research to where they got there all the discarded sketches as they sketched out their painting like everything that they discarded and 
so many drafts. They did so many drafts to get where they were, that final piece. There's plenty of things they threw out because they needed to do that in order to discover what they wanted for that work. It's just a process. And there's no like linear way to do something. It's constantly going back and making things better. And just realizing that any piece of work you see in a museum was a long process and there were many drafts of it. And it took a lot of time to get there. And yeah, they threw out so much stuff to make those. So like if you're not familiar with like traditional painting, um, especially in like Florence and places that have like the giant Renaissance masterpieces, like people, artists would go and or have their like even their apprentices really would go and sit and sketch out like different designs, like even like the movement of fabric or the textures of fabric and would literally make drafts and drafts and drafts of that and then have to bring it and be like, look over it and go with the client and look at it and be like, no. And so like, it's really interesting to me, like the more I learned about that, how much goes into those pieces. <laughs> they would literally study different objects in the real world. Cause they didn't, they couldn't go to snap a photo of it on their phone and like come back and look at it. It was just literally, just, they had to sketch it out several different types of sketches and be like, okay, I actually like putting these together and then paint it. Yeah, and you're right. We we only see the finished piece. We don't necessarily, we definitely don't see, and we oftentimes don't imagine all of the background stuff that happened to create this piece. I'm really intrigued by what you said about how you have to get to know yourself. So I'm wondering in your work and helping people be creative, how do you see people progress in that of as they get to know themselves? I feel like that could be kind of intimidating or scary. It's hard to like describe it in way in way because everyone else, everyone is so different. But I think it's mostly like being okay with all the sides of yourself, even the ones that aren't good. And then learning like the moral compass per se, but I know that's different for different people, but trying to navigate that. Because I'm not saying you can't make good art necessarily if because you don't know yourself I feel like everyone knows like a part of themselves like everybody like all grown up even when you're a kid like if you think about kids they have a clear identity of who they are yes <laughs> so it's not like I'm saying like you have to find yourself and suddenly <laughs> the world will be perfect like no because um, <laughs> we all we all always have an identity of who we are even if it's not silly like we don't feel like who we fully understand who we are but it's recognizing that that constantly is evolving. And I guess growing would be a good term. Um, even if it's not necessarily like growing into perfection or whatever people's ideal self is, but like recognizing that it's constantly like growing and changing and shifting and that that is important to be able to come to terms with all parts of yourself, even the ones you want to improve. Like we're constantly improving. So that's not a thing of like, I will find this myself and it shall be perfect and everything's going to be great. No, you constantly are evolving, <laughs> which is great. And I think that is the most important thing in discovering. Because I'm not saying also, too, you can't make good art if you don't know yourself because technically we always know ourselves. You know what I mean? But you understand, like, clearer stories as people grow and their style develops and what they discover they want their voice or identity to be. Well, you also mentioned that an acceptance aspect to mm -hmm. the finding out about yourself. And I, I like, I think I like that. Yeah. 
instead of having the idea of I must go find myself and that's what (laughs) that's that's what it is about I like what you said is it's more of acknowledging who you are already and being able to accept that with all its flaws and then from there grow more it's finding the sub finding and enjoying the aspects of the sublime in order to appreciate the grandeur of things that's what's important so in your own creativity and all the projects that you have lined up what are you excited about creatively right now oh my gosh so many things okay (laughs) (laughs) so i'm actually working on a tv show It's going to be on a Roku app. Yeah. And I can't really talk about all that yet. But um, so I'm working on that. And I'm working on basically the photo series I want to do once things start calming down is I want to take several different indigenous people um, that are willing and, of course, would like to participate in this project. But I want to do an untitled right now series, but I don't because I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to call it. But I want to style them like um, Victorian English royalty. And basically oh. this thing, yeah, of like having two sides. Like I want them and they want to be able to show off their traditional sides, of course. But also putting them in the context of how, because people, I feel like this is a general broadened. This is broad, of course. But I want to also put them in the way the white mind can understand. Because so many of white culture in America right now refuses to see them as the people that they are. So I wanted to show the flip side of like, this is us and our regal wear of our actual culture. And then like whitewashed culture basically and have them side by side. But basically, cause we, especially if you think about all the people currently that are obsessed with like the Royal family. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to show basically the true Royals, if that makes sense. Um, especially in American society, since there's so much of an argument around race and stuff right now. And I feel like it's important to put things like, well, this is how you don't refuse to understand someone else's way. Well, this is how you can understand in your way um, kind of thing. So kind of addressing people for not actually wanting to consider conversation. Um, So that is one project I want to work on and flesh out more. But those are the rough drafts of that. So yeah, that's the two main projects. And of course, I'm wanting to do put out a cosplay book next year um, with some of my favorite cosplay shoots and other projects that I want to work on. But yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Well, those are so exciting and cool. And um, you might have to come back on this podcast to talk more about these things because I want to know more about these things. <laughs> ah, thanks. Once they're more developed, that is so cool. Yes. I'm excited. I'm ready to, like, I feel like the gear's turning again. So. (laughs) Good. Okay, Sarah. So, as I mentioned before, you have kind of a career built on creativity, and there's a lot of different parts. So, this is the part of the show where you get to plug all the things you want to plug. And, dear listeners, my friend Sarah is very talented, and I really enjoy looking at the photos she takes and... Should you be into cosplay and in her area, you should check her out. Take it away, Sarah. Hello, humans. Your resident unicorn here. Um, <laughs> yes, for those who don't know me, I'm obsessed with unicorns. They're everything of my life, basically. Um, 
So yes, I have Commom's um, show on Project Nerd YouTube, and then there is an unnamed show coming as well. So you, basically, I'm Sarah Marie Spectrum online. You can find me if you like to game. Look me up for Xbox. Um, I have Discord, everything, and then SarahMarieSpectrum.com and Instagram, and then Sarah Marie Spectrum official on Facebook. Yes, those are great. Drink your water. Go outside. All the good things. And I will have links to a lot of those so it's easy to find her. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and to share your thoughts that and your, and your insight that have been hard won over mm, two hard years. Oh, thanks. It's so good to hear your voice again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I hope you enjoy the artwork I make for each and every episode, which you can see on social media like Instagram and Facebook. You can support the podcast on Patreon. And don't forget to send me a random quote using the Anchor app. Next time on The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I request purple. Well, you have purple in your hair, too. Right now, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there will be purple.